All right. Let's look at this passage that Jay was talking about, Matthew chapter 4. Let's read it together. Matthew 4, starting in verse 18. Matthew 4, starting in verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee. Who is this walking by the sea? Jesus. Bravo, you guys got the church answer down. All right. Jesus saw two brothers. The first one's name was? But we call them? That's right. So Simon Peter and his brother. That's right. Well, I don't know. Y'all got, let's read it. Here we go. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were bingo. All right. And Jesus said to them, all together, follow me. Let's say it together. Here we go. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets, and they followed Jesus. And going on from there, Jesus saw two other brothers. The first one's name was? The son of Zebedee. And John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And Jesus called them. Same thing. He says, follow me. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Paul's right there. If you have a pen and paper, if you have a pen of some sort, a highlighter, I want you to underline on this sentence right here. I don't know, is this verse 23? I want you to underline, he went throughout all Galilee, number one, underline this, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction of the sick. All right? So, Jesus' fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures, paralytics, and he, being Jesus, healed them. And great crowds followed Jesus from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Let's talk about it for a moment. Jesus is walking by the sea. He sees two brothers, Simon Peter and Andrew. And he calls them, come and follow me. Y'all heard this on Sunday, right? Did you hear about this in life groups? Jesus tells them, come and follow me. Immediately, these guys leave their boat, leave their fish, leave their nets, and they follow their life. Yes, and they followed Jesus. A little bit further on, you see two other brothers, James and John, son of Zebedee, yeah. Imagine your pop's name being Zebedee. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. James and Zon. James and Zon. James and John, okay, chill. Sons of Zebedee. They both were called by Jesus. And they left their boats and their nets and their even their dad, Zebedee, and their homes to follow Jesus. Now, here's the deal. Normally... Let me just be honest with you. Normally, for a sermon like this, I would typically walk through and I'd give you a couple points of things we see in the text 
and I would give you some notes to walk away with and you would have a cool little outline and that's what you would hang on to for the week and we'd come back and do it again next week. One of the things I love so much about what Christy McGregor does in fourth and fifth grade ministry, she teaches three things when we read the Bible. It's observation. What is it? Interpretation, Interpretation and application. application. My sixth graders in the room are killing it. Thank y'all very much. Here's the deal. When we look at the text, when we observe what's happening, we must see all the pieces in play. We do number two, we interpret what does that mean in the Bible. And then finally, we apply it to what does that mean for me? I observe what's happening in the text. I interpret how does that, how does that play out for Peter and Andrew and James and John? What does that mean for them? And then I finally finish with how does this apply to me? What does this mean for Corey? What does this mean for a sixth grader, a seventh grader, an eighth grader in 2023? Why in the world am I reading this book? Because there's real life truths that apply to James and John and Simon and, and Andrew that apply to each and every one of us in this room today. So we're gonna take a moment tonight and we're gonna walk through six questions. And I want you, this is why you have a pen and paper with you, I want you to answer these six questions as we walk through them. We're going to break it down, we're going to interpret it together, and then we're going to apply it to our own life together. Are you all cool with that? All right, so let's jump in. First question is real simple. When Jesus says, you can fill this in, follow me to the disciples, what does that mean for the disciples? When Jesus says, follow me to the disciples, what does that mean for the disciples? What is he inviting them to do? What are they called to do in that moment? What, what action are they going to take? What is that going to mean for them in their life? So take a minute. I want you to try to answer that question on your own. Answer what does that look like for the disciples? What does that mean for the disciples to follow Jesus? What does this mean for Peter? What does this mean for Andrew, for James, and for John? Come on, y'all need some pen and paper? Ian, we got any more pen and paper over here for these guys? Come on. Jake, thank you, bro. Y'all need some pen and paper too? All right, we're gonna get y'all some, Eli. All right, some of y'all over here writing a book over here. I love it. What you got? Can you give me the answer? What you got over here, someone? Ladies? You got some stuff over here. What you got? What does that mean for the disciples to follow Jesus? One of the ladies here want to give us an answer? What you got? What you think? You want me to get you a microphone? I'm going to get you one. When Jesus says, follow me to Peter and Andrew and James and John, what is Jesus telling? What is he calling for them? He's pretty much telling them to leave everything they know behind and just trust him and follow him. That's great. That's big time. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Oh, you got an answer now? You rocking with it? I'm coming with you. What you got? What does it mean for Jesus when he says to the disciples, follow me? Drop everything and go with him. Yeah, that's awesome. Perfect. I'm coming back here to the back. I got you, bro. To take action and spread the word of God. That's right, man. That's cool. I want you all to think about this here for a moment. When Jesus says, follow me to the disciples, what he's asking of them is what Jay just said. It's an invitation to leave what you're doing right now and to be all in with him. And so in their day, for Peter, James, and John, this meant leaving their fishing net, leaving their boat, leaving their family, and to follow him. That's very unique 
for their culture to leave their home, to leave their family, to leave all this stuff, their career, to pack up and to follow Jesus. But what he's inviting them to is so key. Jesus is telling them, I want you to follow every step I take. I want you to join my team. I want you to join my school to learn from me, to be like me, to go where I go, to do what I do, to say what I say. I want you to imitate me. And what Jay said a moment ago was so key. The goal behind discipleship for Jesus was that one day he would experience his death burial and resurrection and he would go to the right hand of the father and he would spend those three years with Jesus or with his disciples raising them up so that whenever he left he had people that were on the ground boots on the ground that were ready to take the gospel to the nations they saw Jesus doing all of these things so they were ready and prepared for what was to come next so let me look at this over Jesus. He was very different than the traditional rabbis. Let me show you these three things that are unique about Jesus. Number one, he was a carpenter. Do we have this slide or no? Yeah, there we go. Jesus was unlike the traditional rabbis by the fact that he was a carpenter. He wasn't the guy who was uh, um, dressed like a rabbi or had the degree or had the transcript that showed off all of his education status. Like, no, this guy was a normal, regular Joe carpenter. The second thing is this. He also chose his disciples. Normally in their day, a, rab a student would come and choose a rabbi. They would approach their rabbi. If I were a student today, I would approach the rabbi, Mr. Cam Ewalt, and I would say, hey, man, can I please follow you and be your rabbi and be just like you and be the best basketball player in the world, just like you, Cam? That would be the dream come true. And Cam would say, ah, your degrees aren't up to my standard, and so I'm not going to be able to have you join me and my team, you know, right? Jesus was different than the normal rabbis that were approached by their students. Instead, Jesus approached his students. He said, I want you to follow me. And then here's the last thing that's unique about Jesus that we see in this passage is that Jesus chose unlikely disciples. Jesus chose unlikely disciples. You see, Jesus chose fishermen, tax collectors, the regular Joes, and asked them to leave their comforts their home their community and to follow him this goes to our second question then if that's what it meant for jesus to invite them to follow him as a disciple the second question we have is this what does it look like for you to follow jesus as a disciple write this down on this part there's your next blank when, what does it look like for you to follow Jesus as a disciple? Based off what we know about Peter and James and John and Andrew and what that calling meant for them, what does this mean for you? What do you think it means for you to be a disciple of Jesus? What does it mean when Jesus extends the same invitation to Silas, what does that mean for him? What does that mean for a middle school student? 
What does that mean for a mom or dad in the room? What does that mean for a staff member? I want you to look at what you just wrote down on your piece of paper for what it means for you to follow Jesus as a disciple. Read what you just put down. Read it. Look at your paper. Look what you just wrote down. Now ask your question this. If you were doing an evaluation of your life right now, does that reflect a disciple of Jesus? Does your life match up with what you just wrote down on your piece of paper? This is what it looks like for someone to follow Jesus as a disciple. I'm going to show you a list of a couple. The first one is this. It begins with repenting, believing, and receiving Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. The first thing is salvation, guys. That is number one. If you're going to follow Jesus, it begins with choosing to give your heart, to give your, uh, your lordship over to the Lord. Give it to Jesus. It begins with turning away from your sin, with believing in Jesus and making him the Lord of your life. That is salvation. We've been talking about the three circles method, right? Y'all with me on that? We talked about that a bunch, haven't we? Remember y'all tried to share with each other and y'all did a great job. Thumbs up. Yeah? Has anybody shared the gospel in the last two weeks? Anybody? Yeah? Who'd you share with? That's awesome. Good for you. Big time. What about you, big man? Come on. Your cousin? Good job, man. Big time. What about you right there, Joshua? Come on. No way. That's cool, man. That's really cool. What about you? Sorry, I couldn't hear you a little bit louder. That's cool, man. With your friends. That's neat, man. Well, here's the deal. It begins with salvation. And many of you have heard the gospel and you've responded and said, Lord, I believe in you and I trust you as Lord and Savior. If you're going to follow Jesus, this is primary. And we see this in John chapter 1. I think it's verse, I think I have it here. Let me see. John chapter 1, verse 35 to 42 is an account where Peter and Andrew are talking with one another. And Andrew says to Peter, we have found the Messiah. That means they believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world. So that's the number one. Number two is this. It's not just repent and believe, but it's also listen and obey the Lord immediately. Listen and obey the Lord immediately. What did Peter and Andrew, James, and John do immediately when God said, follow me? What is it? What did they do? Yeah. What did you say too? Yeah, they dropped their stuff and followed them. And it says in Matthew chapter 4, it says immediately they left and followed him immediately they left and followed him. So if you're going to follow Jesus, what he's asking of you is to immediately listen and obey. How do we listen? How do we do this? How do we listen to the Lord? Come on, this is easy. Low-hanging fruit, guys. You said praying. That's one way. What's another one? What about here? Reading the Bible. Big time. What else? What are other ways you can listen? Back there in the back. Jonah, what you got? Yeah, the Holy Spirit. You can see the Holy Spirit pulling you. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Those are all great answers. Those are all correct. Those are ways you can listen. How do you obey? 
Yeah, just do it. Yeah, that's right. Bingo. It's easy. So you just listen by looking in prayer and reading the word and maybe through the Holy Spirit or maybe in a sermon, you hear something that teaches you or maybe from your parents who give you godly wisdom, you're listening and then immediately you're seeking to do it, to obey it. Third thing is this. So your, your salvation, your second one is the way that you submit to the Lord. The third one is this. You give up or you forfeit worldly treasures. You give up or forfeit worldly treasures. Let me ask you this. Are worldly treasures bad? No, they're not. The boat wasn't bad or the the net wasn't bad or the fish weren't bad. Neither were the riches when the rich young ruler came to follow Jesus. he, He told him to give that all away. That's not because the riches were bad. What he's saying is we must lay down the things that are treasures in our hearts and say that Jesus is the top treasure. Jesus is the number one thing I want in my life. Now, for some of you in the room, that may not mean you've got to leave your fishing career, okay? That doesn't mean for Malachi, who fishes every... Where's Malachi at? Have you fished this past week? Yeah? Did you? Malachi doesn't have to give up his fishing career just because he wants to follow Jesus by means. That's not because fishing's bad. What it means is for every one of us, you may have to give something up on the journey because the Lord's calling you to something else. For me, I'll I'll level with you. For me, when I was in college, I was getting an accounting degree. Accounting? Yeah, that's what I said too. Thank you so much. I was going to do taxes. That's right. But you know what I was thinking? I was thinking, I thought this is what it's going to take to have the American dream out there. I was going to have the big giant house and the the lake house and all these things. And I thought those things were going to be accomplished by getting that uh, accounting degree. And that was my worldly treasures. That's what, real quick. That's the worldly treasure that I was seeking. And sometimes for each one of us, you may have to lay something down for what God is calling you to do. For me, it was when I was in college, I decided through the Lord prompting me, like you said through the Holy Spirit a minute ago, Jonah, the Lord was leading me to lay that, that dream or that passion down to follow him in ministry. That was a big deal for me to sacrifice it, to give that up. But man, it's been so worth it. So worth it. And what the Lord's calling each one of you to do, you may have to sacrifice something in middle school right now. Think about it. You go to lunch at your school this week. And you got your same group of friends you hang out with every week. And they're trading lunches together and they're cracking jokes. And you're talking about what just happened in class a little bit ago. All these things. And you don't want to miss out on that party that happens every lunch. But maybe the Lord is prompting you as a young middle school girl or a middle school boy. And he's saying, listen, this week I want you to look for someone who's sitting by themselves. And I want you to go sit with them during lunch and just be kind to them. Ask them about their week. Ask them how they're doing. Man, just encourage them. What you're having to give up in that moment is being in with maybe your popular or comfortable crew and go sit somewhere maybe where there's someone that's all by themselves. That's a big cost in middle school. But... Maybe the Lord is calling you to do that. And he's saying, if you'll just give this up here, guess what? I'm going to bless in a whole different way over there. There's different moments for every one of us where God's going to be testing you and calling you to give things up at times in order to follow him. I spent way too long on that, but I got to keep going. Last one is this. 
Not only do we see the salvation's primary, we also see that the submission is next. We also see that there's sometimes sacrifice in following Jesus. But here's the last one, is to go and live for the Lord fully. The Lord is trying to send you out. The Lord is trying to send you out to live on mission. I'm going to get a microphone one more time. I'm going to ask one person to help me out. Where did my other microphone go? Oh, it's on stage, isn't it? I'm so sorry. I'm going to ask real quick if my wife, she's going to hate this so much. Reba, come on up real quick. Come on. Yeah. Come on, Reba. All right, Reba. Okay. So this last one says, go and live for the Lord fully. Okay. I know you're, you're hating this. I didn't prep her for this. I'm going to get in trouble tonight, y'all. Just listen. I'm going to be in trouble, all right? All right, so here's the deal. When you think about go and live for the Lord fully, for you, when did you start to wrestle through what that meant? How long ago? How old were you whenever you started wrestling through go and live for the Lord fully, all in? I was about 19 when I started wrestling through that. I was in college. I'd gotten saved in high school right before my senior year, but I didn't really start living for the Lord until I was in college, and I realized I had to make a decision if I was going to really live for the Lord or if I was going to live for the world, and I knew that the Lord was the best option because I had grown up in church, and I knew that knowledge, and so I knew I had to choose him above everything else, and he was the only thing that would matter, yeah. so it was like sophomore year. Okay, so where do you think the Lord's leading you like as far as wanting to serve, how are you serving right now and fulfilling the go and live for the Lord fully? How are you doing that right now? Well, it's hard. It's really hard. But I try to do it with friends, with the lost people around me. I try to love them, encourage them, meet new people who don't know the Lord or maybe are struggling in different ways and just praying for the Lord to bring those opportunities to be able to love those people. That's awesome. Hey, thanks. Y'all give a big hand to Miss Reba real quick, all right? You're the best, babe. All right. Here's the deal. I know Reba. I've talked with her extensively about all these different things, about missions, how you live well for the Lord. But I'm telling you, she's someone that I know that is all in when it comes to living missionally. She's, she's wanting to go this summer on a mission trip to go serve other missionaries who are serving all over the world. She is longing one day to be able to serve with internationals all the time. Like she is looking for ways to be able to take the gospel to the nations, the people around her. And what we see in this passage is that God says, or Jesus says to the disciples, follow me. But he finishes with saying something right afterwards. What does he say next? Anybody know what he says next? Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Which, let's just be honest, sounds like a real like... Man, grandpa's statement to say, right? I'll make you fishers of men, you know? And the girls will be like, I don't fish. You know, what does that even mean for me today? All right? Malachi back there is like, oh, they are speaking my language. Yes. Sign me up. Fishers of men. The third question we're looking at today is this. And I got to go quick on these last ones. What does it, when Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men, what does that mean for the disciples? Y'all can answer this question. You got about a minute to answer it. And we'll circle back around. All right, when Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men, what does that mean for the disciples? It means 
that the disciples are going to start fishing with hooks and trying to catch people, right? It means that they're going to get in their boat in the middle of the city street, and they're going to throw their net out in the middle of the marketplace and try to catch people, right? Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, that is, that is, a, that is what we learned earlier. That is cap, okay? All right? I'm just kidding. All right, calm down. What that means is that Jesus is about to raise up these 12 guys, these disciples like Peter and Andrew and James and John. And for three years, Jesus is gonna literally take these guys and he's gonna mold them and fashion them and reshape them where they've spent their whole life prepping their nets and prepping their lines and they're throwing stuff over the boats, trying to catch these fish and they're putting in the water. They have no idea what's down there. They pull up their stuff and they're hoping, praying that there's a fish there and they put it in the boat. They take it home, they clean it and they sell it back to the store. Like, that's how they spent their life. And what he says is the same way where you used to throw your net into the water and just pray that there was something in there that would come up again. He says, you are about to do the same thing, but you're going to do it with the good news of the gospel. And what he's saying is on his journey, when he would pick out different people to be his disciples, he's saying, look at me, I'm going to take you and I'm going to shape you and equip you and empower you so that you're going to be a person of influence of the world around you. You're going to be a person of influence. I'm going to use you. I'm going to empower you. I'm going to equip you to take the gospel to the world. And that's exactly what he does with the disciples. So the question for you today is this, what does that mean for you? If Jesus is telling every one of us in this room, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. What does that mean for you? How does that translate to you today as a sixth grader, a seventh grader, and an eighth grader? What does that mean for you? That's our fourth question we can put on the board. What does it look like for you when Jesus says he will make you fisher of men? Come on, guys, we're almost there. Write down your answers for this last one. What does this mean when Jesus says, he will make you a fisherman. What does that mean for you today? Students, I know that awkward silence is like, it's tough, I know. But here's the deal. It's worth it every single moment because here's, here's, here's the goal. You've got to learn for yourself to be able to observe what the Bible, shh, listen, listen. You've got to learn for yourself to be able to read the Bible, to interpret what it means for the people in the Bible, and then to apply it to yourself. And so when we look at these questions, I'm asking you, what does this mean for them? And what does this mean for us? What does this mean for them? And what does this mean for us? Because every time you read the Bible, you ought to be thinking, what does this mean for Moses? What does this mean for the disciples? What does this mean for Paul? What does this mean for David? What does this mean for Joseph? What does this mean for Rahab? What does this mean for... Solomon, and you ought to be asking immediately after that, what does that mean for me? I'm gonna finish on this last one because we gotta wrap up and I can give you the last two blanks for those who are OCD, I'll give them to you, but here's the deal. 
When Jesus says he's gonna make you a fisher of men, what he's inviting you to is this. He's inviting you to be a part of seeing the world be changed by the good news of the gospel. And he's invited every single one of you to be a part of what he's doing. If you wrote down under the fisher of men that Jesus called you to take the gospel, did anybody write that one about taking the gospel, sharing the gospels under what it means to be a fisher of men? Anybody write that? Yeah. Here's the deal. That's, that ought to be a measuring stick for you. Are you following Jesus? Then the question should be, are you casting the net at your school? Are you sharing the three circles with your friends? Are you looking for friendships with people that are lost, that don't know Jesus? Are you looking for ways to be a light and an encouragement to the people around you? Are you looking for a way for Jesus to be lifted high in your circle of friends through what you can say and testify about the Lord? Are you taking your Bible to school and thinking of ways you can share about what you're learning in your quiet time with the people around you? How are you living on mission? Because the disciples of Jesus did two things. They followed Jesus with everything they had and they made it their mission to allow Jesus to mold them and shape them into the missionaries where God had planted them. So students, you are at a pivotal spot in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade where Jesus invited you just like he did the disciples. He says, follow me with everything you got. And he will make you Fishers of men. You know what happens when the disciples followed him? Can I go to this verse we highlighted earlier about the teaching, proclaiming? It should be verse, I don't remember which verse it was exactly. Right there. Immediately, Peter, James, and John, they left their boat, their family, and everything to follow Jesus. And you know what they did? They went to Galilee and they saw Jesus teaching in the synagogues. They heard Jesus proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and they saw Jesus healing every disease and every affliction. Paralytics, diseased, the hurting, you name it, he dealt with it. When Jesus invites Carter, come on, Carter, stand up for him real quick. When Jesus looks at Carter and says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, and he says, I'm all in, and he leaves his spot and decides he's going to follow Jesus. Come on, Carter. When he says he's going to follow Jesus, he's modeling after him. He's looking to see what he does. He's hearing what he says. But in the middle of it, he's seeing Jesus do all these miraculous and amazing things. And one day, after being with Jesus for years and years and seeing all these things, one day he's going to look up and he's going to say, man, I could have stayed in that spot my entire life. Or I could have just said, I'm all in with you, Jesus. And what's gonna happen is he's gonna look around and he's gonna see a multitude of people that have been impacted and influenced because he was faithful to follow Jesus and to be a fisher of men. Students, you have a huge opportunity right now in middle school to live all in for Jesus. All he's asking for you is right now is to follow him with everything you got and allow him to shape and to mold, and to use you. Because one day, Jesus, for the disciples, rose from the dead and ascended to the right hand of the Father. You know what was left? 
You got Carter, who's now empowered and equipped by Jesus, and he's living on mission just like Jesus was throughout his entire life. He saw him do it, teaching, proclaiming, and healing, and now Carter's the guy who's doing every bit of it. The one who was a student who followed the rabbi is now the one who is doing everything that he saw his rabbi do. That's what Jesus is inviting you to be a part of. He's just saying, step out in faith and follow me. Thanks, Carter. Appreciate you, bro. I'm gonna ask the band, y'all come back up. I'm gonna ask the band to come up. We got one more song. Here's what I'm gonna ask of you guys. If everyone would, please take a moment. Bow your head real quick. Shh, bow your head real quick for me. I have talked heavily about the idea to follow Jesus and I cannot be um, naive not to think that there's some people in the room today who would tell me, Corey, you talk about this following Jesus thing, I have no idea how to even begin that. How do I start today following Jesus? I just wanna tell you real quick, it's so simple. Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead for you. For you, because he loves you. But he did that because every one of us have made mistakes and have sinned. We've broken God's commands. We've rebelled against God. But because of his rich love and mercy, he made a way for you to be forgiven. To have a real relationship, to walk with God, to talk with God, to enjoy God. But that can only happen when your relationship that's broken because of sin is repaired because of the work of Jesus Christ. And all he asks of you is simple. He says he wants you to repent which is a big church word, which all it means is to turn away from your sins, to say, Lord, I don't want to do those sinful, wicked, evil things anymore. I just want to follow you, Lord. To believe is what he also calls us to do. And that means to, to trust that Jesus died on the cross, that he did rise from the dead, and he did all this to save you. To trust that he even believed that he is God of all creation. But then also that he not just calls you to repent, to turn away from sin or to believe, but he also calls you to receive him as the Lord and Savior of your life. You see, Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I'm going to ask you today, if you're someone in the room who says, Corey, I don't know what this whole thing is about following Jesus, but today I want to figure that out. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. As we... Stand up to sing in just a moment. I'm gonna ask that you would stand out, step out of your seat and you would go to the very back of the room where Morgan is in the orange hoodie or where Jake is in the white shirt. One of these two would love to talk with you about how you today can follow Jesus. You can become a Christian and live for the Lord and follow him with all of your life. I'm telling you right now, I did it when I was seven years old and my life has never been the same. I'm not perfect but I'm telling you, I'm saved and redeemed and Jesus has rocked my world. It's been the best decision I've ever made in my life. And there's a lot of other people in the room who would say the same thing, that they made that decision to follow Jesus. Maybe today is your day. Maybe today is your moment to step out and to make that decision to follow Jesus. If you want to talk more about that, Morgan's in the back, Jake's in the back. I'll be back there as well. I would love to talk with you more about how you can follow Jesus today. When we stand to sing worship, you go to the back, come find one of us, and we'll talk with you some more, okay? Let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for Matthew 4, 
And I thank you for the text, just seeing the disciples and how they followed you all in. I pray, Lord, in this room today, there would be young men and young women in middle school who would be all in for the sake of the gospel. They'd be all in with following you with their life. I pray that today, Lord, you would raise up men and women who would not walk in the way of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but they would delight in the word of God and they would meditate on it day and night, that they would live in accordance with what you have told them and they would obey what you have said to them. I pray you would do that in this room abundantly and beyond all that I can ask or think. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.